This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, sponsored by Soundring. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Casper. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting Casper.com slash BCPod, promo code BCPod at checkout. Today's show is brought to you by Harry's. Please visit harrys.com and use the promo code BCPOD to save $5 off your first purchase. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. What's up, mouth breathers? Welcome to the show. This is Matt, and uh, we got a big day. Yeah, you probably noticed it, that drop at the beginning of the show there. It says j- something about Jabberjaw Media. Well, guess what? That's a new company we've launched. And I'm going to tell you about it. Nick Bunda, our producer for this show, and I have been working really hard for a long time and figured out some stuff about podcasting. And so, you know, with Toby and Joey and Bad Christian and everything, we've learned enough and people ask us enough about it to where we've been helping other people with their shows. We give a lot of advice. And so it seemed logical to us, let's uh, put a bunch of shows together that are like-minded or, you know, revolve around music and other stuff and see who we can help, as well as find some new shows and develop some new talent. So uh, Mike Mowry, who's been on this show, has joined us, and we're, we've made a new company. It's called Jabberjaw Media. So go to jabberjawmedia.com and check out the shows. Uh, most notably, today we're launching two new shows. One is The Art Collective, which is Stephen from Amberlin's new podcast, and the other is Lead Singer Syndrome, and that's Shane Told from Silverstein. So we talked about that when he was on a few weeks ago. So I want to thank you guys for being so supportive and helping us learn how to do podcasting and you know move on to the next level of it. In fact, I want to thank another company called Soundrink, who actually is, is, believes in us so much that he's spon- they're sponsoring the launch of Jabberjaw Media before it even is really existed. So thanks to them. They're an experienced company. They do VIP ticketing and, and stuff like that. So anyway, we're out on the road right now, Columbia, South Carolina, today. Uh, we got a few VIP tickets left today and then a couple of the dates coming up of the few Emory shows left. So go to emoryvip.com or emorymusic.com. Come see us on tour. This has been very, very fun. Thank you, everybody, for getting the 8-bit album thing that's out. You can be streaming that now. And, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you, we have some vinyl with us on tour. So you can show up, come to the Emory show, buy some vinyl. We even do, in fact, have some of those copies, those those, you know, mysterious copies of the question that Tooth and Nail was able to wrestle away from EMI. And we actually have a few of those in our possession. You can come pick one up from us on tour. I uh, hope to see you. Appreciate it. Ready, Matt? You recording? Rolling. Here we go. Joey. Yo. Uh, 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 Three, two, one. Uh, it's the bad, it's the bad, it's the bad Christian podcast. Yes. Right. We back up in this mug. Back up into the back of the bus. We're uh, we're, we're on the road. We're all, on the road still. Still tracking this thing. Joey, what's your in your office in the, the church office is where you are? Yo, hell yeah, man. Yo, I'll be... <laughs> All right. No, okay, very good, very good. Toby and I are in the, ba- in the back. <laughs> Youth pastor yeah, boys. No, no, yeah. Toby and I are in the back of our bus here by the right by the toilet, just trying to just trying to make it happen. I can't believe that the, the commitment we've made to making two episodes 
a week. We and never what that get feels to stop. Like on the road, we it's, work it's, all the time. It's, it's unbelievable, actually. It's seriously and unbelievable. I, I'm, what are we on episode one thirty something? We have not missed. One. Like we haven't million. done a rebroadcast. We yeah. haven't missed one. Nothing. And yeah, well, I'm also hey hey. I'm gonna I'm gonna add to that for me. I'm 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 doing an episode a week with my brother too. So yep. hey, you throw that into the mix, and I'm just a busy guy, man. Are you starting to regret that one yet, or what? Like you regret coming it coming back to to get you now? Uh, well, I'm a planner, so so far I've been planning ahead enough. My big thing is I definitely don't want it to weigh too much on family and stuff. But man, there's some exciting things ahead, Matt. I really want to. Uh, schedule you for this one. I told I'm, Jared. I'm I, wonderful on that show. No, so listen. Uh, Jared said, hey, um, I, I've got this uh, Christian uh, ghost expert, and he said, we just need someone. <laughs> A Christian <laughs> said, ghost expert. Yeah, you got to get me yeah, on that so, one. Yeah, he said, he, we just need someone who uh, doesn't. I was just like, well, Matt thinks it's all bullshit. He's just like, well, we need to have Matt on then. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm, I, it's so crazy how much I like and respect Jared and acknowledge his intellect over mine without a doubt. But I cannot believe some of the things that boy believes. I love it. It's so entertaining to listen to. I love it. I love when you have Carrie on there and he says, I, it's so interesting to really hear people that are real people that believe stuff that it, to me is crazy. I, I, that's wonderful. I well, love that about this whole podcasting thing. It's great. Yeah. Well, for our listeners that haven't checked out Pastor With No Answers, this latest episode on politics is a rare situation where Matt and I cannot be more on the same page. And we're going up against mm -hmm. these two guys that think that the only way to accomplish anything good is through politics. And it just could not be more ridiculous but uh it was fun well let I me tell you something i appreciate that i enjoy it. but let me tell you something else I, I can't believe it like i said it's hard to be on the road and doing these podcasts or whatever but i can't believe how glad i am to be out on the road and away from that family of mine i mean it's so good to be back <laughs> like i consider this bus my home like this is my bed you know i spend a lot of time at my wife's place you know and spending yeah. my wife's bed a lot of times but i'm back here now i'm on my bunk I'm with my guys, and so I can I can do what I want to do. I'm really, really glad. And back home, it's like, oh, we've got this house. Matt, can you please, can you grout the tile? <laughs> oh, God, I know. <laughs> Matt, you know what it you sounds what I mean? like you need? It, sound, it sounds like you need to go to marriagesupply.com and get yourself a date night box. If you go to marriagesupply.com, you can go to date night box and click that on and get actually a got one deal from the free sex podcast. I didn't girl. know we had that They'll on the promo, you. but you actually hey, cool. They they sent me one. I yeah, did, yeah. no, we, we did y'all use it? Asked if we, not yet, huh? not yet. Have you? Did you get one? Yeah, I got it. But I Joey, you didn't it. get one. I've never. Yeah, I've gotten one. And I've never heard Priscilla scream like. <laughs> oh my <laughs> lord! Hell yeah, Joey. <laughs> Hey, I'm just kidding. We haven't we haven't used all that yet. But we did. No, it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. <laughs> we got loose with hey, it. I, I loved it. You, hey, I, I'm telling you, if there's not more people listening to free sex, it's it's kind of a shame because I, Matt, you, I don't know who was the decision maker for letting them in on the bad Christian family, but oh, it, it really me. is something unique that they're doing. I mean, it's really crazy what they're talking about and how open they are. And yep. it's I love it's it. kind of like a fun. Here's what we do. I mean. 
Like seriously, and they have a blog that yeah. kind of coincides with the podcast, and it like teaches girls how to go down on their husbands and like blowjob. I tell you I'm what, like, I'm I'm, I'm scared to death every week when I see what the episode title is going to be. It's going to just be anal for him part two and BDSM, whatever it is. It's I, I'm terrified of it of being of being on our website every single week that we're going to get on a porn watch list or something. But I think I agree with you. I think it's great what they're doing for sure. It, it, I want to be that free and just talk about stuff in a way that isn't condemning. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what's so cool about the podcast. You can just talk about stuff and there's no condemnation. Like it sounds like Jesus. It's crazy. People yeah. hate that that you would relate that those two, but like the idea of no condemnation, you're just talking about being a human and potentially what you could like or what could be good yeah. and all the stuff. It's something about not managing it's all about Everything that's interesting to me in this sphere is about not managing how people take what you say. That's yeah. that's what to me is compelling. Is you know, and in, in most spheres it works out fine. Rush Limbaugh has no problem with it. I mean, the people that make great movies and films have no problem with it. But Christians have a really hard time with not managing people's expectations of what them or what it might could possibly mean. And so to hear Christian people speak in a way that doesn't try to yeah. manage that. It's just it's refreshing. Well, I don't, people I don't are super know. freaked out, like starting with me, about talking about any kind of sex toys sure. or weird yeah. stuff, like a guy and you touching his butthole right. or uh, a vibrator or a dildo. That, well, that's it's, not true. It's all the taboo, the taboo words. Like if you it, just think about it this way, if you did a Christian campaign that was, we don't believe in dildos. We're against vibrators. Right. Anal play is not okay. <laughs> like that's not, you know, you can't even say you're against the things because you just can't bring the topic up. You can't even have the right. words out there, right? Can you imagine Christians boycotting saying 69 is wrong? 69 is wrong. <laughs> you know, it's just you can't say you can't do it. You can't put they can't it, even because say you it. say, well, what if people think of 69 and then they go do I don't know what whatever it is. Right. It's just like we can't even allow things to even exist or be there because then what if people think of them? And then I'm, it's like this I'm, I'll be guilty if I even remind somebody that a bad things exist. It's crazy. Matt, do you, uh, did you get that forward that I sent y'all about what uh, Matt Johnson and Jeff Betker are a podcast they're starting? Joey, you're on a guys. you're on a wild promo streak right now, but I like it because this stuff is kind of interesting. So it is interesting. I These actually really like that... the material you're coming with today. But yeah, I did. I, well, I had a meeting with those guys a while back. Oh, show. Okay, yeah, gotcha. I, yeah, so Jeff from Jeff. Betger, who was from 90 Pound Wuss, and he was a Mars Hill guy for a long time. And Matt Johnson, who's helped us out with some of our book stuff, is really cool, was a pastor and a redemption group leader and pastor at Mars Hill. They're going to do a podcast. I don't know if it's out or anything. Are you going to be on their show or something? Is that what that was yeah, about? Yeah, well, that, what's cool is it's, it's, a, it's basically a discussion podcast that is going to be thematically revolving megachurches, but they want it to be balanced. So they feel like me coming on there would be some positive stuff because you know pretty much they feel very let down hurt well so the name is the name of it surviving the mega church is that the, gonna yeah, be the name of the podcast the Ma- yeah i think that's a great podcast. idea i go to church with jeff now at a uh we we don't have a mega church um but yeah so I'm, i talked with them a little bit ago and i think it's really cool because what they want to do is talk about their experiences at a mega church yeah, but not it's not just talking trash or whatever. It's just kind of sharing I mean, honestly, the inside they, point of view because those guys were at Mars Hill and you know buddies with Mark from '97 and stuff. And th- th- those guys have so much good stuff to say about Mark as well as a really lot of bad stuff about 
what they've seen and, and been through. So that's a. Re- I'm very happy that people want to talk about that. Yeah, and that sounds like such a narrow focus, but y- you can just go forever oh, with that because for, yeah, once forever. once you stop talking about Mars Hill, there's still megachurches all over the place, and some of them are going to fall. And some of them are going to do very well, but there's always going to be people coming out. I mean, I could tell you some crazy things, just ridiculously crazy things by from someone that we all know. He used to work at Elevation Church and the things that he has told me from (laughs) inside the church walls will just drop your. Uh, Absolutely. But did anybody else see the uh, I'm not trying to make fun of people, but I am kind of trying to I know what you're going to say. Did you see that? Did you see that video of the Elevation Church made, Toby? No. Yes. For Stephen Furtick, I, I can't pastor. even explain. Oh, can you, can you the, explain it? The rap one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was one of all. They made a video, like a high budget video, that's just like about their pastor. Yeah, awesome. how awesome! So it's basically, <laughs> it's basically it's awesome. thanking him. And I, I it's guess past, whole, hey, it's pastor appreciation month. October. Yeah, I, <laughs> it, I, you we, gotta look that video. We appreciated Joey. Wow. Yeah, they did. And we didn't do I, a rap the, video. I, at the very end, I, I I just had to say, you know what? They can do whatever they want to thank their pastor. That's none of my business, you know. But I just, it just seemed a little crazy, like they were having a huge party and a huge celebration, and it almost looked like a daggum worship service about their pastor. So that's what started rubbing me the wrong way. How, but then how thought, can people find you know that? What? What's it's that a, called? What's that thing it's called? It's a thank you video. That's it, all it is. It's but a, but tell people how to look that up. They can it's make probably that elevation about it. elevation church. Thank you, oh, just Pastor Furtick. Thank, yeah. thank you to Stephen Furtick, our pastor. It's pretty. I mean, it's, it's it is insane thinking the amount of time and resources that went oh, into yeah. something to just. I can't say it's the worst thing in the world, and they're free to do whatever they want to. But it is very, very funny that that much effort would go into a, you know, pr- pastor promotional video like that. It's crazy. Yeah, right? but their it's whole still, thing is crazy, that. Right? Okay, here's the only thing. In their defense, I think <laughs> y'all know me. I yell at everybody. I I've been really feeling. <laughs> this sounds so hilarious. Y'all go watch the video while Toby. This talking. sounds so hilarious. I feel kind of convicted lately of when I think about us and talking. Uh, on this podcast, and I go, we are really critical. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna play devil's advocate here and just say that's their church culture, and their pastors like that, and they're just honoring their pastor, and it's, it's a yeah. good thing to honor your pastor. Now they did it flamboyantly, but he's a flamboyant, big time talker or whatever. Yeah. But it, uh, what's really funny for me lately, <laughs> this is uh, Joey was transparent on the last podcast. I'll be transparent <laughs> on this one. That was awesome. Oh Joey, God, I feel terrible saying. Oh Joey, that was so amazing. Actually. I didn't know what else to do but, but laugh. Yeah, I just that was I just that was I can't believe it. So far. some of the things that Joey does are just the greatest things on the whole world. But uh, <laughs> I uh, I actually this morning driving. I woke up. I, I'm the early riser. I, I have kids. I can't sleep late. No matter what, how late I go to bed, our kids get up at like 6 or 6.30, so I'm always up. So this morning I got up and drove, and I I listened to a Francis Chan yeah. sermon, but not for it, but just to hear how he talks and yells and screams <laughs> so I could laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know this sounds terrible, but I, I, I thought Francis Chan's like the like the he's offbeat the, good guy, right? right? He is, but our this sounds so awful. But I've been listening to different pastors and how their technique, and uh-huh. j- because I was like, nobody talks like a pastor, and it's kind of strange. Like Francis Chan goes, and I just feel like I feel terrible, and I just want to. <laughs> I don't know. I just the testimony that was just given. I didn't. Know. And I'm just like, if I was talking to this guy at Starbucks, I can't believe. Like, 
<laughs> and, and, and Matt Chandler's the exact same way. Like my pawpaw, my grandfather is the same way. My pawpaw would yell till his face was so unbelievable. He's like, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. And I'm like, my God. Is like, it just outdated? No, it's it not outdated. It, no, it's not outdated, but it's interesting that these guys have such brilliant ideas and their delivery is uh, almost akin to the olden days or something like 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 seriously for Chan and Matt Chandler specifically they yell and they get heated and they uh-huh. yell and it, it's a there's a little bit of showmanship there oh, I, there's a lot. and there's a lot of I'll even say they don't more like they don't realize it though they're not doing it on purpose it's a style that they've inherited. It's a style. It's a style thing right. for sure. So b- basically, I would. Tim say, Keller doesn't do that, for example. But well, but but everybody's it's it's different. But think about it like this: like if somebody talked to you like Shakespeare now, written and composed, right. it's not bad or good. It's not sinful or wrong. Right. But it's like it's that it might be an old style. Like, yeah. right? Prose from the English in the well, 1600s. It, well, here's style. what I thought about today when so I was listening to uh, it. Nine, you know, 20, 20th century pastor speak is like, it'll right. be a classic style. Well, but maybe for, you that's know what I was thinking. It's not going to be a. It's like Emory, though. Basically, it's like Emory, and we yell and scream and right. we jump around on stage, and maybe you don't need to do that or something. Right. Like, like I'm even thinking, I'm saying to myself, and it's very entertaining even, but, but today when I was listening to Francis Chan, it was just like he, he's. I don't want to do this, but I'm doing it, and I'm like, I mean, and, and he's being honest and real, but he's it's yelling. Style, and I was like, if I was sitting at Starbucks with this guy, I would feel so uncomfortable. But that shows your and cultural bias of where you're at right now. Come wait a second. That example, like if someone went to an Emory show. They'd be like, oh, my gosh, if Toby was screaming at me at Starbucks, I'd feel so uncomfortable. Don't you think that's a, a bad example? I mean, no, that's what I'm saying. No, I'm, agree- I'm, I'm agreeing with you that Emory's the same way. We're the same people. But my point is, and maybe Matt's saying, saying it even more clearly than me, that there's a little bit of when pastors preach, there's showmanship and a delivery and a style. I even thought about this. Matt and I both said this. When we drive the bus, the big rig, we get all these ideas in our head. And today I literally thought, and Joey, you are a pastor. I really did relate the idea of a comedian and his delivery and his style is the exact same person. Take God out of it as a pastor. A, wants to get in front of people, yep. be a, affirmed by a group of people. Like you want to say stuff and people say amen or, or a laugh or whatever. And the comedians and pastors are so similar, except for yep. one thing. A comedian can be totally self deprecating totally tell you all the shit in their life and all that stuff and a pastor can't oh they're transparent but matt you even made this point they actually when a pastor's transparent they preface it with i'm going to be transparent (laughs) here we go i'm gonna be real here and man the other night i watched too much tv or whatever it is you know what i mean and and so like a, a, a comedian would never go i'm gonna tell you the truth here they just tell you the truth right or whatever it is, but, and it's still a show, but you can't say that about a pastor. And, and honestly, I think at least a, a little bit of the disconnectedness of pastors when they feel alone and separated from their congregation, all that stuff, because they can't just stand up there and go, "Yeah, man, I feel, I just feel dumb today. I don't even care about the Lord today, or whatever real stuff that real people are going through." But it, also with that, that delivery 
it's pretty interesting that it's yelly and screamy. But and all right, let me ask y'all a question. Let me ask y'all a question. Since Stephen Furtick is what opened this conversation up, what are the what's the percentage chance that he would come on this podcast? Zero. I didn't, zero. No, I guess none. I don't know. If I had to bet my own money, if I had to bet a thousand dollars of my own money, I would say zero. And why? Like, if he knew about this podcast and someone explained it to him, said, "Hey, man, it'd be really cool. You he could sell some books." He, well, it call, probably because he thinks we'd bust his balls and make fun of him and. And it wouldn't be it wouldn't be worth his time. Well, let me answer it a different way. If he actually listened to this podcast, he'd realize we're super soft on everybody that we have on as guests. So he probably should just go ahead. And yeah. Do he, it. He, but he, if he doesn't <laughs> listen to it, he would say, "I better not go on that." Yeah. If Stephen Furtick came on here, we'd be like, "Hey, man, you yeah, know what? Totally you're fucking oh, cool, that's dude. Great. Yeah, you're, you're the best. <laughs> that's what we probably actually would do. Hey, you know what, man? <laughs> you know what uh, I mean? This is uh, and then Toby would say, "Yeah, man, thanks for coming on, being so open and honest. We just really appreciate yeah. that." Is what we'd say at the end of the at the end of the interview. Inevitably, that's what we'd say. <laughs> so it probably would be fine if he came on, but most likely that I we're don't too nice in our interviews. I've felt that way for a long time. I and think Matt is, I, I, I think Matt has kind of uh, broken the ice with changing that. And I think Toby, you may be the, you're, you're the best at being honest off the interviews. I think you'll be the most blatantly honest, but I don't, I think you're the most guarded and that, and, for some reason, your personality has always been this way. You want people to be comfortable. Right. Like, yeah, I agree. When I first knew you, I busted someone in a lie, and you and I both knew they were lying. And I actually said, hey, who else was there when you did this? And you and I could both tell this person was making up names. And I was like, no, actually, I was hanging out with some So I was basically backing this person up to a court. Mm -hmm. You and I left. And you looked at me and you're like, what the hell was that? What were you doing? And I was just like, well, he was lying, and I didn't want him to lie to us. He was just like... Why the hell would you try to bust him in a lie? We both knew he was lying, man. Why would you do that? And it was just like, you didn't care about this person, but you did not like that situation. Yeah, like, why is that? Well, I do hate it. I have empathy for people that are, here's what I think. When people lie or are crazy like that, I think they're doing it for some reason because their life is sad or something. So it makes me feel ultra bad when they get busted because all they have is a fake life and then my friend joey's just obliterating even that you even took that away so i do feel bad for people and when we beat when we invite people onto our podcast i do think we're inviting them on here do we want to attack them but you guys yeah. but we should be honest i agree i'm weak in that area for sure but enough of this. We got to get off here. Let's bring on our guest. Yeah, let's bring on Preston right. Sprinkle, baby. Let's, let's yeah, do let's it. Speaking of Francis Chan, Preston Sprinkle helped write a book with Francis. Yeah, Chan. I know oh, that's, that's right. right. That's right. Maybe this will come up, but probably not. Yeah, We're just gonna go it, softball. Let's give this guy a hard time. Let's just go softball. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, let's just keep it softball. Yeah, it's totally softball. All right, we'll be right back with a softball interview with Preston Sprinkle. <laughs> All right, guys, it's my favorite time of year again. You know, everything's decorated. It's so awesome. You know what time it is? It's the holidays. What's, what's one are you talking about? Movember. Oh, Movember. Okay. Oh, my gosh, do I love it. Matt, it's that time of year again. You know, it's the holidays. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but... it's my favorite, favorite holiday. Which one? Movember. Okay, Movember. Oh, my gosh, do I love it. And, and here's what's really cool. One of our favorite sponsors, Harry's, is the official partner of the Movember Foundation. Okay. It's really cool, and they're going to be donating money and helping raise awareness for men's health, which is always good. But right now, let me tell you why I like Harry so much. Honestly, I, it's given me the best shave I've gotten in a long time. Oh, absolutely. I, I've... Uh, Struggled for years and years with razor burn, and, and razors are so expensive. And I try to buy the cheap ones to get by, and it just never works. Then I'm yep. just cut, and I have like a, one billion pieces of toilet paper stuck to my face with little blood dots. I just can't even stand it. It's, it's just 
awful. The blades are super sharp at Harry's, and they provide a super close, comfortable shave. The, you know, it's, I've got here that over a million guys have made the switch to Harry's. Can you believe it? I, I, I do believe it. Actually. So that's got to be for good reason. I, and I love it too. And Harry sells products in factory direct prices so they only cost a fraction of the price of big brands. Well, hey, can we hook people up? Can we get people a good deal, a starter set? What can we do for them? Oh, yeah, for sure. Harry's Starter Set is an amazing deal. With our code BCPOD, you can get it for just $10. The set includes a razor handle, three blade cartridges, and your choice of shaving cream or foaming shave gel delivered to your door. Yep, and shipping is free, Matt. Great. So go to Har- go right now to harrys.com. And as a special offer for our fans, Harry's will give you $5 off your first order with code BCPOD. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, code BCPOD. All right, Toby, I've been sleeping on, we've been sleeping on our Casper mattress for like almost a year now, and I love it. And I know they're a sponsor of this show, but let me tell you a story that hopefully proves how much I like it. I was at All church. Right, give it to me. I was at church that they were playing on the playground after church, a bunch of moms standing around there, Bridget and I, and one of them was asking for a mattress. It's talking about, I need to get a new mattress. And I was like, hey, you you got to try Casper. It's like really yeah. good. I said, we sleep on it. Um, she was telling us what she needed. I was like, well, listen, they, I told them all this stuff about it. I told her, I said, it's a obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. I didn't say in exactly those terms, but that's essentially what it is. Right. It's a, it's a combination of memory foam and standard latex foam. Yeah. And so I told her about how we both sleep on the bed, and you can't even tell when the other person gets out of bed. That's so cool. Yeah, I told her that it was made in America. I told her that it's uh, $950 for a king-size mattress. Good Lord. Which is way cheaper than if it, you know, I just, I went into this whole thing and told her about it, and then when I got done, I was... too scared to tell her, like, I have a podcast and a promo code. <laughs> <laughs> I was just too embarrassed to say, like, I didn't want to even broach the subject that I do a podcast and have a code. So I g- genuinely was just doing the spiel for her in right. no way that it benefited me just because I told her it should be a good right. match. That's what she ought to get. That's awesome. Because well, it comes in that box and it's so yeah. awesome to your house or whatever. But it genuinely is a mattress, folks, that I really do love that we sleep on. Like well, I, I, I've been kind of amazed just by, like, you have had some back, some pretty serious back problems. Uh, before that mattress, not, not and since, since I tell you that nothing. That, yeah. that I mean, that's true. That's not, crazy. Yeah, not 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 any not anymore. And I will tell you guys because you already know I have a podcast and I ain't embarrassed about it. You can get fifty dollars towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper dot com slash bcpod and just use the code. BC pot, but really, it's a twin size mattress is five hundred bucks and a king size for nine fifty. It'll come to your house. You can sleep on it for a hundred days, and if you don't like it, you send it back. No questions asked. Get all your money back, but you're not going to send it back. You'll love it. I love it. Go to casper.com/bcpod and use the promo code BCPod. Yeah, anything to keep the it out of the speakers because it just feeds back in the mic. In the laptop. Oh, Kristen, are you even are you even serious about this interview? It's bullshit. <laughs> Hey, here we go. Hey, give me a- <laughs> let me let me go grab my uh, earbud, my scotch, and you guys. Right, sounds good. Cool. Cool. So, he- so hell and gay people, man. Let's start. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to draw another parallel there. He just a minute ago said he wanted to go get his scotch before he started, and so let me make another prediction. I bet you like cigars too, Preston. I do like cigars. Yeah. <laughs> not, a, not a fanatic, but they do go well together. But it's just—I mean, I, I don't—I I don't want to call it a cliche or call anybody out, but it's—it's it's the most common thing. I, I think a few years ago, you hear Christians would drop, you know, craft beer yeah. all the time, and now I hear them drop 
just yeah, is like an yeah. indicator. Like they used to draw the fish in the sand to let them know you're in the. Th- now a lot of hip, hip Christians say, well, you know, I like I'm a fan of they they drop scotch and cigars very often. So you saying Preston's hipster? I not no. I didn't say the word hipster. I just used the word hip. No, just we're all that, that, that's the way we all we all do that stuff. Yeah. I, I do too. I love cigars. I love a nice uh, you know. Uh, probably whiskey or whatever, but it is funny that you say that, man. Yeah. What will be next? Like, seriously, like 15, 20 years from now, we'll be like, yeah, I enjoy a nice, uh, you know, skunk weed. Yeah. Uh, I smoke. <laughs> I get it from this guy that makes it downtown. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it'll be marijuana. Yeah. <laughs> Once it's legal. Yeah, like all, all the new pastors, instead of saying avid coffee drinker, it's like weed smoker. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, one time... Uh, I'm already there, Pre- man. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Matt, you may have heard this, but Preston, one time I was sitting uh, on Toby's back porch. This is when we lived right next to each other, and he offered a cigar. And so I'm sitting there smoking the cigar, and I, I'm not huge into cigars, but I'll enjoy yeah. one every now and then. Well, I just was going to town on this thing, <laughs> and it just hit me. And all of a sudden, Toby oh, yeah. looked at me. And there was a drop of sweat on every single half centimeter of my body. And he just looked at me and was just like, dude, there's something wrong. And I, I mean, I just feebly got up yeah. and just inched my way home. I was sick. Oh Cigars right? are serious, yeah. yeah. I mean, they'll make you, they're serious. You have to be careful with those things for sure. So what are you up to, Preston? Um, first of all, tell people where you are at right now. You're in a different time zone. Right now, I'm in uh, Boise, Idaho. Um, I moved up here a year and a half ago to start an extension site for a Bible college, uh, originally from California, Southern California. So, um, yeah, venturing out in the new territory up here in Boise. Uh, let's see. I Yeah, I'm a, a vice president of a Bible college. Uh, I also do a lot of writing and speaking and mm-hmm. kind of a bunch of different stuff, trying to figure out. Trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. And uh, yeah, I heard I heard about you first from the liturgist gigantic yeah. episode LBGTYQ yeah. and uh yeah, threw in some extra letters and then heard you yeah. on the Rethinking Hell podcast. Okay. Um that LGBTQ episode was pretty phenomenal. I think you were the yeah. only person yeah. That was, hey, I'm a Christian and I love these gay people, but I don't think it's right. okay. I think you were standalone there. I think Am so. Am I correct? I, yeah, I think you know, I didn't actually listen to the whole thing. I probably should go back and listen to it all, but I think uh well Donald Miller was on. I don't know where Donald Miller's at on that, but he had a I think a gay friend on there, didn't he? I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Donald Miller was a little uh wide open there as far right. as okay. not not being is that a hard I mean, do you find in this day and age that that's a hard position to hold? Like saying, uh, yeah, it's a sin. Sorry. Yeah, increasingly. It depends on your context. In Idaho, it's like, no, not at all. I mean, they don't even know it's really much of an issue. I think some people, you know. Yeah, uh, but yeah it depends on the context. I mean, d- you know, definitely when you start venturing out into different crowds, you know, it is tough. And with a younger crowd, they're, you know, they're just wanting to love people like crazy. And so they're trying to res- reconcile what does that look like? You know, is, is the historic position even possible, you know, in seeking to do that? And, so yeah, I mean, de- yeah, definitely becoming. Uh... <laughs> is that is that like one of the biggest questions you get asked now? Is there like a list of questions that are hot yeah. topics that people ask you the most? Yeah, I mean, usually it's. Uh, well, I've written on hell, violence, and now writing on homosexuality, and so it's usually one of those three. But yeah, definitely homosexuality is eight or nine out of ten questions. Is you know, and usually it's a uh, usually it's a real personal question. I get a lot of parents that will you know, contact me and they had a gay son, daughter, whatever. And, and how, how do I navigate this? And 
It's kind of cool, though. I feel like a lot of people are really trying to figure out, you know, I, I just want to love people like crazy. And yet I just don't I just don't see it in Scripture how this can be justified. And so the searching for kind of a new way of thinking through this discussion rather than the sort of polarized culture world they're used to. And well, so it's really encouraging. That's the weird thing about that one is when you say because I hear this one. This is the most common thing you hear in general now is somebody saying, well, you know, I disagree with it. I think it's wrong. But I love, I want to welcome and be loving to these people or whatever. But in general, I don't think they hear, they don't hear it that yeah. way. That's not what they hear when they say, yeah, I'm, what I'm saying is I, you are a wrong person that is wrong no matter yeah. what. I think you are wrong fundamentally in who you are and everything. But I love right. you, which that's, this is like, yeah. no, you don't. You're just using the word love there to, say, to, to mean something else. I think I that's the way they yeah. hear it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the way it yeah. sounds, actually, because Christians throw yeah. the word love around in a way that, yeah. that makes me kind of uncomfortable because it's almost meaningless. It just means good in a way. Like, it, it's just yeah. not, it's just a complicated word to say love, I think. Yeah, H- hate the sin, love the sinner. We just stamp it all with that, and we're good to go. Yeah, yeah. hate the sin, love the sinner. Yeah. Good to go. Yeah, I think, I think, that's, a ter- I think that's a terrible phrase. I mean, not terrible. I think it's, uh, the heart. the heart of it is fine i guess I, I don't think you see it in jesus you know jesus didn't come up to zacchaeus and say hey hey bro we can hang out just so you know i hate your sin uh but i love you man like i just <laughs> right. or, i mean with your wives would you say you know you know hey i love you honey but i i hate the fact did you overeat you know i mean we don't yeah. we don't we don't actually relate to the people or if we do we're not we don't have a lot of friends i mean we, we don't normally relate to people that way right so i don't um, why, why not hate you know love the sinner and hate your own sin and let's do this thing together? You know? I mean, it'd be like, like for 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 an identity question though. It's like somebody coming in that's black to your church. You go, listen, <laughs> it is wrong yeah. to be black. I don't like your skin color, but I love you. You're welcome <laughs> totally. here. Then that this sounds weird. To, yeah. I'm just saying from yeah. their point of view, that's how they hear it. They just think it's. Yeah. It's weird. So what is the way that you, and you know, I've listened to that podcast as well, but what is the way that you navigate that space without coming off like that? Um, I, th- I think we should be able to, uh, to love people like crazy with no strings attached, no footnotes, no like, you know, uh, but you know, I love you, love you, love you. I can hang out. We can be friends, but I, I got to let you know where I stand. Like whatever right. you said, I love you. I love you. Do you need anything? Do you need some money? Uh, are, are you being bullied by anybody? Is there anything going on? And amen, you know, like, why can't we just stop it with the love? And of course, you know, other questions of ethics may come up, you know, but I, I just don't think we need to front load that in every situation. And, you know, again, we don't, we don't relate to other people like that. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. we, 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 or we should, you know, love poor people. We don't just immediately say now, you know, how come you don't have a job? And what, what, you know, like, how, how can we sleep on the streets or you need to get off? Like, we just, I think we do it. We can do it with other people. Um, and, and I think also we, we, you know, Christians, we have to understand the, the horrific history we've built for ourselves. You know, I mean, we have a, we have a, we have a terrible reputation in not just not loving gay people, but hating them. And so we, yeah. if you're a Christian, you are part of that narrative, like whether you like it or not, mm-hmm. you know, like I have a friend of mine, he's, he, uh, he's a pastor now. He's got his, both of his parents were gay. And uh, so he grew up as a child marching in gay pride parades. That was his normal. And in one occasion, um, you know, a bunch of Christians started uh, spraying them with urine. Good <laughs> they, gosh. No, I'm serious. He would, they were soaking them with urine. And he turns to his gosh. mom. He turns to his mom and says, why are they doing that to us, mommy? And his mom, very gentle, said, oh, those are, those are Christians, honey. And Christians hate gay people. And he says, wow. oh, my gosh. Well, I never want to be one of those. Wow. And, and, and people listening are going to say, well, I've never done that. Yep. It doesn't matter if you've done that. If you're a Christian, that is part of your narrative. 
So my passion really is how, how, what, do we, what do we need to do to overcome that reputation? And to do it, we can't just say we love. We need to figure out like radically how do we actually go out of our way to love people you know, the way Jesus did. Yeah, the problem is, too, it puts us it immediately puts us in a weird hypocritical stance. When, when I say, hey, listen, you're a real piece of shit, but I'm going to love you anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, seriously, like, like, like what right. is that? If, if you tell yeah. me that, that is just that yeah. that sounds immediately like, what are you talking about? Like, right. I mean, obviously, we all, that's the I think one thing we're hitting on here. Maybe <laughs> our our def, our, de, our definition of love really is very skewed and yeah. I guess uh, subjective or, or, or whatever you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean like like yeah. it's just it, I just don't I mean we need to have a real uh, actual definition that is Christian that uh, yeah. follows Christ that means love because otherwise it's just like come on yeah I'm almost I mean, right, done yeah. with the word I mean think, words change over time and that one just almost I mean it sounds silly you know that's an unpopular position but the word love is almost just useless to me at this point right. it's just yeah. I'm not I'm not saying I have the true definition I'm saying it just doesn't it just doesn't mean anything it just means yeah. something nice or it means the I mean it's, it's just we don't we've perverted the word enough like n- yeah. nobody's fault nobody's agenda it's just like the yeah. best sounding word of all time therefore it's been used for everything in every way so mm-hmm. when you talk about the love of Jesus that seems like it needs a new word for me yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, I mean, like, even like with Joey and Priscilla, Priscilla now doesn't use that word. She goes, I sex you. And that, right. for yeah. her to be able to do that means more than love. I right. mean, for her yeah. to go through something like that means a, it's like amazing. Right. The Definitely. amount of passion and Definitely. care she has for you. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Preston, like, po- positionally, do you feel like you, your, um, I don't know, your, your public interaction and all that stuff, do you have to be guarded with with how you articulate things or do you feel like you know like for example i i I am not completely free on this podcast i'd say a lot of people are jealous of the freedom i have being a pastor and being able to to say what what we say here but i don't have complete freedom which is maybe a good thing what what kind of freedom do you have or, or do you limit yourself yeah, I got a really long leash, actually. Um, yeah, <laughs> for good or for ill. Some people think it's yeah. way too long, but <laughs> you know, I I don't have a distinct theological tradition that I belong to. Um, I don't. Um, uh, my my school is highly exegetically driven. They they will you know um, you know if if I come out with a new view, we'll get together over beers and talk about it, and and they'll even change your doctrinal statement if they're like, yeah, I think we actually need to leave room for this this view. And so they're, they're going to go with the text leads and I've, I, I'm going to go with the text leads. And I just think that evangelicalism has not really gone with the text leads in a lot of cases. And I, and I really don't, you know, what, one of the greatest jobs I've ever had was driving a water truck at a construction site, just driving a truck around, around mindlessly, you know, and yeah, you know, right. the pressure of Christian ministry is so great and doing what I do brings so much stress. So if people say, you know what, you're you're out of here. We're not going to handle you anymore. I'd be I, I would probably be actually really excited. I can go drive a water truck again. So I I, I have zero like you know um, I I don't um, I'm fine going you know throwing stuff out there letting it letting the chips fall where they may. And I I don't have any my my wife's cool with it. My family's awesome. I don't have a church that's like breathing down my neck. So yeah, I, I got a I got a lot of freedom. You know. To, yeah. Well, cool. Let's really get started then. Let me. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, what you and um are you and Francis Chan like buddies? Like, do y'all hang out or like we we all three really like that guy? I mean, yeah, y'all he's friends? pretty awesome. Yeah, we're friends. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have uh, 
Let's see. We, we became friends through writing the book. Primarily, we spent a lot of time together. Um, we're friends in the sense that if I call him, he picks up right away. If I text him, he texts back right away. Yeah. But we don't uh, make it a habit to kind of chit chat throughout the month or whatever. I, I just saw him a month ago, hung out with him, and it's you know he's. He, I mean, you know how it is. Like like who you are on stage. There's always a distance, like who you are on stage and who you are behind closed doors. Yeah. You know, but with him, there really there is no distance. Like he is, he is completely absorbed with God in ways that I've never seen another human. Like he is the real deal and he's not perfect. He's got faults, but I just love that there is zero like hypocrisy or, you know, you know, he, he's all cool on stage and then he talks down to his wife or something. Like you just don't, there's none of that. He is, right. he just seeks God like crazy. And I just admire the heck out of him. So he's not a bad Christian. It <laughs> 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 depends on what you mean by that. <laughs> hey, so has has uh, has he erased hell? Let, let me update some of our people. Yeah. So my brother and I, uh, everybody knows we've been listening to a podcast called Rethinking Hell. Um, yeah. I've I've talked about it on here, and uh, Matt is losing sleep over the whole conversation. And Preston Sprinkle was on that podcast, and you said that you actually helped Francis Chan write the book Erasing Hell, which was indirectly a response to Love Wins, Rob Bell's yeah. book uh, that that pretty much pitched a good argument for more of a universalistic uh, yeah. point of view. But anyway, you said in Rethinking Hell's podcast that since writing that book, you've gone from pretty much believing in the traditional view of eternal yeah. t- conscious torment to being an annihilationist. Yeah. And even, uh, I think even in that podcast, if I remember correctly, I was still kind of, you know, yep. sorting, sorting things yep. out. And, and the more I study it, the more I see that the overwhelming, overwhelming biblical support, uh, uh, favors annihilation. Like it, like it's, like it's eerie how much biblical support for it there is. And that, if you even try to bring it up, people literally don't even want to look at the text. You, you quote John mm-hmm. three 16. I've done this in a crowd. I have people quote John three 16. And when they get to the word perish, <laughs> they're like, yeah. I've never thought of that. I'm like, this is John friggin' three 16. And how did you never even, how did I never, how did I never notice that? Like that, you know, the, the overwhelming language surrounding the final destination of the unbeliever, whatever, is language of destruction, finality. I, I'm not saying the traditional view doesn't have some biblical credibility, okay? But, I mean, the overwhelming support favors annihilation, and it's shocking how, you know, how we missed it. <laughs> yeah, and Matt is way, way more comfortable with eternal conscious torment. Mm-hmm. Like, he really likes well, I'm that I've just always been a, a big fan more. of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just always a huge fan of pain and yeah, like, uh, for others. I, I like horror movies and stuff, and it just, I don't know, it sounds awesome. Matt, Matt, seriously, though, you, you feel like if, if you have to let go of this, what else do you have to let go of? No, that's not exactly it, but I will say to what Preston's saying, I think he, he's hit the nail on the head there because it's just eerie to like to and i think that's where all this this that's what's the weirdest thing about this one is it just in in any case it opens my eyes to oh my gosh how many things have have i potentially overlooked because i'll I'll have to grant maybe it is ambiguous maybe maybe there is good there's at least good support for both and technically i think you guys are right there may be coming from a purely looking at it exegetically right now with all the information without without taking a traditional view and just if you had people examine it maybe that's what they would come to so i don't i'm just wrestling with where to to include uh other people and tradition itself yeah. and and to not let it all be in, in my head but it's shocking 
to yeah. realize I've read these verses and looked at them and wait a minute, I never even thought about that. Like to, the futility of me thinking I can understand the Bible is yeah. just scaring me to death because yeah. how did I ever not even, <laughs> how did that not even cross my mind before? That's insane because I yeah. thought I read the whole Bible before I've looked at it. I've read, you know, I've read so much and yeah, it, it's apparent that I am not getting it still. Yeah. That's that's yeah. weird. That's a scary thought. So yes, people are insecure to go there, and I'll just admit it that way. I don't yeah. really want to deal with it. I just don't want yeah. to. So Preston, do you do you believe in different levels of punishment for the person that's going to eventually be annihilated? Like for example, yeah. does Hitler get a couple months of torture before he's completely obliterated? When the <laughs> the the person that never heard about Jesus and yeah. resisted this prompting in their hearts are destroyed immediately. I mean, have you thought it through that much? That's a great question. I I don't know where I would land on that. I I do think that there is at least, I would say, biblical precedence for seeing degrees of punishment. You know, you see it. I mean, you see it in the Old Testament, right? You have unintentional, intentional sins. You have death penalty for some things and, you know, just a spanking for other things. So, I mean, you see throughout Scripture uh, degrees of punishment for different sins. Um, At the same time, uh, the verses that talk about the finality of the judgment you know, they use language of death, destruction. And so it does seem to be just kind of like you face judgment and, you know, your punishment is death. Like, yeah. So, so I don't know. I, I, I don't, I'm 50, 50 or maybe 49, 51 on that. I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I would probably lean away from degrees of punishment. Um, yeah. that just death after judgment is kind of the final destination of all who reject Christ. But the, the reason why I actually like it, which it seems like what would be most people's reason why they don't, is it no longer allow if if hell isn't eternity, right? It's it, it's uh, just annihilation. Right. First of all, I still think that that's not good. It's, it's not a, it's right. not like oh yeah, I'm gone forever. <laughs> but that aligns us completely with any non-believer. They just yeah. think you die, right? Basically. Yeah, right. Now I know there's a little bit more to it in what you guys are saying. I don't yeah. want to go into too crazy deep the- theological here but what i love about it is yeah. there that takes away all you have to believe in god because of fear or you have to believe believe in god because you're going to be in pain like that that taking that away to me frees up the actual goodness and the love and the the wonderfulness of god as opposed to hey just so you know yeah god's good he's all these great things but if you don't say these certain things and pray this certain way and do this yeah. you're going to be in fire forever like that i mean right. i think that's why it caught on so strongly and why it, 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 <laughs> it I, I, on. no honestly i think that i think that's what i mean ever since people have always used fear to yeah. to manipulate people and to scare people and so i think that people used it as a tool they they i, I would say deliberately if if even if it's unconsciously if they didn't realize they were doing it um, or subconsciously, may, I think that they might have just, yeah, let's just skip over that. Yeah, it does say this, and so, yeah, it's forever, and it's fire, and it's always yeah. this. And, yeah, Gehanna, yeah, that definitely means this. And it's yeah, and it and then it just gets passed down through word of mouth and through other people's interpretation That's of what the Bible is. That's a good point, is. Toby, because if something was going to pass down word of mouth, like, think about it. The, the, what are the stories you're going to remember to tell down? They would be the craziest sounding ones, right? Oh, totally. Right? Like the thing that was that unbelievable end times thing that scared you know kids are afraid of the rapture for instance yeah they don't yeah. know oh, anything yeah. else about the bible but they know that when yeah. they, they have nightmares about it and think yeah. their parents left them in walmart when they can't find them because oh the, the most scary <laughs> craziest things are the things that stick out orally when you tell them and retell them 
Yeah, I was right. so freaked out of the rapture growing up. Every time I call oh, my mom, gosh. mom, 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 yeah. I start freaking yeah. out. The rapture happened. I'm left behind. All I mean, it was the scariest oh, totally. thing in the world. So no wonder those things stick on in generational and traditional things. I mean, that, that yeah. totally makes sense because that's the yeah, first thing that you could like. Somebody said, Joey, tell people, out. Joey, you haven't been a big reader student. So go ahead, you know, tw- 12-year-old, 15-year-old Joey, tell people about the Bible. Well, let's see. God made everything out of nothing. Some people go to hell. Jesus is good. And there's crazy stuff at the end. Like that would be the, those would be the things that you would stick out and remember. So they get reinforced whether or not uh, yeah, yeah. the micro details of the text support it. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. Pre- Preston, how important is it for us to iron this out if eternal conscious torment isn't true? Yeah. I, you know, I think it's pretty important. I mean, I mean, I, I think it's true that, well, Paul, men- Paul mentions the final judgment, I think, in 80 different verses. That's a lot of passages. And Jesus, yeah. as we all know, talked more about, you know, hell than heaven or whatever. I don't know if that's true, actually, but, you know, that's what I heard growing up. And, you know, the, the, the reality that God will come to uh, in, in judgment, it's all over the place in the Bible. So, I mean, you can't just say it's, you know, not important. And, you know, if, if the traditional view is wrong... You know, I mean, like I'm a Calvinist, so this is going to sound really Arminian. But if the traditional view is wrong, then we have really freaked out a lot of people and scared people away from the gospel by, you know, making this some sort of cardinal thing that people need to embrace. And, I, you know, I know a lot of people, this is the first or second thing that they're like, I can't embrace Christianity. I mean, you believe in a God that is going to keep people alive for billions and billions and billions of years just so he can torture them and twist their arms. And, you know, that, that's just, how, how do we, and again, I, I come at it like, if that's what the Bible says, then bow the knee and deal with it. But if the Bible doesn't say that, right. then, then that's a, that's kind of a significant character trait of God that we have misrepresented. So I, I think it's a huge issue. But that's kind of the scary thing is if you did ask people, like, I mean, used to, maybe people used to use fear and that was a big tactic and stuff like that. And they would say, yeah, but in the end, if we use this, we'll get more souls saved, for instance. So now we're in a unique position where people's main objections to Christianity, typically, if I ask somebody down the street here in Seattle, they're like, yeah, that God sounds like an asshole that would do that to send people to hell. And the gay thing is dumb. Of course, gay is okay. And so on the other hand, those being the two biggest objections right now, give me some kind of logical pause about, oh, and just now we're going to figure that stuff out. That creeps me out that (laughs) just now the tide turns right there with the non-believers objections to Christianity that we are now in large scale numbers adjusting our theology to match that that kind of freaks me out a little bit so I don't want to yeah. just go oh okay let's I mean I think that's the wrong approach sure. to, and I'm not saying Joey or Preston or anybody else is doing that specifically yeah, yeah, yeah. but or maybe it took this culturally of the I, I really do believe it could be the pressure of the non-christian that's kind of actually driving this which is a little bit freaky does that yeah. do y'all see my point there yeah so I, I mean, what am I just going to change my two those two doctrines on a dime because of that? Yeah. That sounds crazy. No, and I think we do. I, I don't want to. You know, I do want to respect tradition, and you know, I, I've been in a process of you know reconfiguring my view. It's been four or five years, you know. So yeah, it's not just hey, I read a few verses and boom, and and I definitely want to respect tradition. And I, I don't think, honestly, I, I don't think the tradition, the traditional view, will ever go away. I guess my my big push is to make the annihilation view, a, a valid biblical evangelical option where it's not treated as 
whoa, are you Jehovah's Witness? Or, you know, I get people all the time saying, well, I heard Preston Sprinkle denied hell, and maybe he's even an atheist. It's like, come on. Like, where does that even come from? <laughs> yeah. You know, like denying hell. I mean, we're talking about the duration of the punishment. It has nothing to do with whether hell exists or not. And so just educating people that, you know, not, not just not to freak out when they hear some new teaching and actually open up the Bible and say, you know, well, let's see the biblical credibility for this. So if annihilation can actually be an evangelical option, uh, I, I would be a happy camper if, if that's, you know, where this whole thing uh, Well, is. let's just ask something practical here. Just Did I say the... happy camper? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, just for the sake of the listeners and for me, and let's just start with me. Do you guys, is there, I mean, are you saying that there is no hell whatsoever or that there is some type of like a one day punishment or something? I mean, what is, what is biblical here about what hell is All right, or so does it exist? The stupid answer first, because Preston's like a billion times smarter than me. I think that <laughs> hell exists and it destroys people. So okay. basically people are thrown into yeah. hell and, so that, a furnace that and they're, and they're, out. and they're completely consumed. Yeah. And that's done. So it's a, it's an all-consuming fire, and people that go there, they're obliterated. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sweet. So that yeah. was a smart answer. Has there nothing to do with the existence of hell. It's it's arguing the finer points of the duration of the punishment. Is it you know is it is it immediately? Is there death immediately? Which is what I would say. I mean, some people in annihilation would say that there are degrees of punishment, but ultimately everybody would be annihilated, and then of course there's you know ongoing torment. And but the yeah, punishment would. The, Sorry, the, 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 the debate isn't whether hell exists or not. So hell exists, but then the duration of hell is what's debatable, right? Right. Exactly. So then all of a sudden, weeping and gnashing of teeth makes complete sense. God says, hey, depart from me. I never knew you. That person's going to weep and gnash their teeth like, oh, my gosh, I have to go in there. Yeah. I mean, if you were yeah. standing in it, you know, and somebody was going to throw you into fiery burning sulfur and you knew it was going to be a split second still you're like i'm about to not exist anymore but also is that are y'all saying too that hell is actually the justice of god that that is his justice being acted out so the for hitler or whatever if he goes to hell or whatever it's because of all the evil he did that will be his punishment because of god's goodness and justice that's why right yeah Yeah. there's like a for the same person though that wasn't a hitler just said yeah i just don't believe that i don't see there's proof that person still goes uh, like y- y'all believe that you have to say Jesus, you are my Lord, and that, or or else you go for one minute in hell <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> I I mean th- that's a whole debate in itself is whether or not someone can be saved without hearing the name of Jesus. I mean, yeah, that's so true. That, that's, so that's true. basically saying can't the Holy Spirit can't convict someone without the name of Jesus. And a lot of people would say, no, you have to hear the name of Jesus, understand the personhood of Jesus. And I don't, I don't know. If right. I'm but I mean, it's still, I guess that's for me where I, I and I, I actually don't know where I stand on this because I, first of all, I'm really attracted to not using punishment to get people to believe in God sure. or Jesus. But at the same time, it does get a little goofy there. Well, you know what, man, this guy, he, he did, you know, he did murder somebody. But, uh, okay, he gets a week. Okay, this guy, all he did was not believe in Jesus. He only gets one second or whatever that might be. And then also it gets a little uh, out there for me because, first of all, you die. So you die a physical death, mm-hmm. but then you still come back in a different reality. Yeah. In a Just different, for, for how, whatever. Yeah, how long is that time and what, what, what would be your character? Your like, like, why not annihilate? Yeah. yeah. Why not just be gone when you die? Like, that, that's the punishment. You're gone. Like it, it doesn't seem like it. That seems like yeah, you a have little to come benchmark. back to you have to uh, 
so you're the thing is so you're not an eternal being. You're created, and then you die, and then you exist in some other form for some amount of time on your way to the furnace. Or your like, what sense does yeah. that make? Yeah, it's it's for twenty seven minutes between your resurrection. Not right. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. I don't know. Uh, you know, I th- I do think that scripture is pretty clear that there's a resurrection of the righteous and unrighteous. Uh, yeah. Daniel twelve, John five, and they'll face judgment and then you know whatever punishment. But as far as the logic of that, I mean that you know there's a lot of things right in scripture when you come to it and say, oh, why does God do it this way? I'm like, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Well, but how about the, if, if every knee, knee will bow and every tongue confess? To me, that always sat with me a little bit funny because you go, wait a minute. So that's every. That, yeah. that, that doesn't sound like pe- us Christians. Like, yeah, we already did that. I mean, what, what's the point of that? So to me, there's some scene where all the non-Christians confess and their knee bows. And they'll, and and they'll what, be told and, it's and too then, late, right? Yeah, I guess. That, that seems a little bit weird. That just that strikes me a little bit funny. Like that. I mean, that's the Rob than... Bell thing. But if you confess yeah. that Jesus is Lord, that's then, right. That means it's that just he's too Lord late. You're uh, that, that's a little bit weird. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's too late. You're still going to do yeah. it. I, that doesn't sound right to me. Like people are in hell confessing Jesus as Lord and remaining that in that posture. That seems well, a b- bit weird. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're t- I was uh, listening to a conversation between uh, Dan Coke and uh, another friend of ours, Jack, and they're going back and forth with. If God is pursuing redemption here in this, you know, age of mortality, when we are finite human beings, why would He stop in the eternal realm, like in the spiritual realm, yeah. when when people's bodies are dead? Why would God say, "Yeah, I'm finished"? Like it's too late. And to yeah. them, they just have a hard time understanding. I haven't really even thought about that that much, but yeah. I guess I'm not convinced. I mean, wh- who's to say that when we die, we're not given a final chance i mean is there Ooh. preston is there anything you scripturally walk that line carefully my friend uh, is there any <laughs> is there any scripture that that pretty much eliminates that as a possibility that when we die god doesn't say okay here i am you see me in all my splendor there's no way you can say no to me um yeah that's you know and then of course this is what bell the questions he was raising i, I think he did it really well i mean he, he was you know it's a provocative book you know like god yeah. is reaching out and open arms, come to me and I'll save you, you know, and, and boom, you get hit by a truck. And then God all of a sudden turns into this different being. Nope, no chances. You know, that, that, that's, I think we should wrestle with that. I think it's, it's a really good question. And you do have individual verses like Romans 518 that says, you know, through the one act of whatever, you know, through Adam's sin, you know, all have been condemned. And therefore through the one act of Jesus Christ, all will be justified. And you got the parallel of all there that, that seems to point towards some sort of ultimate, reconciliation of all people but i but i do um i do think that the overarching narrative of scripture not just isolated verses but the overarching narrative is that god's final that there will be a final judgment and there yeah. will be punishment for those who reject god and i just it would yeah, as, as much as i hope i mean i literally hope bell's right and and, and i want to open up that possibility that maybe god's going to do something that is you know wasn't expected and i'm totally fine with that um, but it does seem to be such a dominant theme that there will be this final judgment for those who don't, you know, accept him as Lord and Savior. It would appear so. But yeah, I mean, Preston is frustrated, everybody, that people are going, what are they telling you, saying that you didn't, you don't believe in hell and you're atheist yeah. and stuff like that. So <laughs> Preston's really frustrated that people think that he doesn't believe in hell anymore. And you can find out more about that if you check out his book, Erasing Hell. Because <laughs> <laughs> a whole new meaning to that title. Uh, yeah. 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, tell us, tell us about your uh, God scandalous grace for us. What's what's the deal there? Oh man, yeah, that's you really uh, believe in God's grace. I, I actually do. Yeah, <laughs> hell and grace and homosexuality and all that stuff. Um, yeah, so that that's just um, you know, grace. Like, well, you guys are talking about love being a buzzard. Well, so is grace. I mean, gosh, we we talk about grace, and and few of us really live it out the way Jesus did, and so. Uh, the the book was trying to it, it's it's basically it walks through the Old Testament and looks at how God's primary characteristic throughout the entire Bible even even or especially the Old Testament is one of this absolute scandalous grace and I try to I try to look at different stories and sections in the Old Testament that many people aren't even familiar with and show how they are you know um, promoting God's grace and yeah I try to just push the envelope a little bit try to rattle some cages and some of the illustrations and language I used and. Um, yeah. And then the last few chapters I talk about, you know, Jesus and the gospels and how, how he, you know, handpicked a bunch of scoundrels and the disciples and just his posture towards people was, you know, I mean, I think he'd be kicked out of most churches today, Jesus, if he brought his friends, you know, I mean, he didn't, yeah. he didn't have a lot of religious friends, you know, yeah. like, like the whole, you know, he, he goes up to Matthew, this tax collector who is the equivalent of like committing political and religious treason, you know, so picture somebody today, you know, he's running a porn studio and he's funneling his money to ISIS, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and Jesus says, hey, you're my friend. Let's go to church, you know, and, and the guy says, hey, all right, well, let's throw a party. I want to invite all my other treasonous friends, you know, and Jesus says, sweet. All right, let's go party. And, and you know, and he's 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 in there with Matthew and he, Matthew's just celebrating that he found Jesus. He, he doesn't even really know what that means. And he's got all these just dregs of society and Jesus goes and hangs out with him. And, you know, I just. Jesus is so much more dangerous than I think we make him out to be. And um, so that's, you know, a lot of people like the book, but like anything, you know, it, it did get some criticism that I'm just, you know, uh, if you push grace too hard, people were just going to, you know, live it, live it up. Right. And like it's crazy the and, dumbest thing ever. It's yeah, more just, fear <laughs> policing and all that. Yeah. We're just, that we don't need to but do man, it. I mean, just how you describe Jesus and that was God. I mean, that yeah. right there should make us think, okay, do we have this figured out? Like, do we know exactly how salvation works and exactly what's it going to be like for throughout eternity? I mean, no way. Well, Preston, in no that way. analogy there of Matthew, not analogy, but that story, did did Jesus, or yeah, and the porn people and whatever it is, did Jesus even take them to church? Yeah, right. No. Or, did yeah. Just, <laughs> or did they just hang out at the porn store and then go have a party? Yeah. I don't yeah, know the much, answer yeah. to that. But, did, I mean... That's one thing that it doesn't seem like Jesus is going out doing stuff and as a a way to get people to the synagogue or anything. Right. Yeah, it was more they like they didn't even do that. It was a come follow me. I'm going to, you know, I'm on my way to go heal somebody. You know, he's just as wicked as you are. I want you to come follow me and we'll, you know, I'll teach you what it is to love people. You know, it's kind of the posture. It was very, yeah. you know, and, and of course, obviously, you know, Jesus doesn't have a church, you know, during his ministry. Sure. You know, he's building it. But um, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, Jesus has a much, more aggressive missional posture of going out where the people are and, and, and cultivating a, a reputation within the community that he is this danger, you know, guy who's just dangerously in love with sinners and he's, you know, taking off religious people all over the place. Yeah. Because it doesn't so, funnel back to the institution. Right. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. it, it just remained on the path that it, that it was on. Whereas most yeah. of our ministries or even mission trips or things or outreach are just ways to, direct people back toward the establishment thing, which is what the what we really want them to be at. You know, the, right, the focus yeah. is, is more that way. That's the thing that seems departed from the way Jesus did to me. Right. Well, you have, I mean, 
in the New Testament, from, from Matthew to Acts, right, the Gospels and Acts, it is highly, the emphasis is highly missional, right? I mean, it's, it's all the church is on mission, the reaching the lost. But when you get to Paul onwards, you know, the focus is on, you know, kind of, uh, you know, uh, I don't say moral management. It, it's, you know, a lot more focus on the church and keeping things mm-hmm. in order in the churches. And, and for me, I don't, I don't think it's an either or. Um, I just think that we've only emphasized the Paul stuff and kind of lost sight, generally speaking, of this hyper mission that the church exists to be on mission, not to be the church. You right. Know? As opposed um, to missions being a thing that churches do that ultimately bring more right. people back to the church part. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I know we got to wrap this thing up here in a second, but I, I do want to ask you, how, how do you process someone like Rob Bell, who you think is smart, who yeah. uh, is probably, I, I'm speculating, but probably someone that, that you read his stuff and is like, man, this guy's interesting, smart. Uh, and now he's going uh, in places with his faith that you're just like, yeah, I just, I, I don't ascribe to that at all. Like, is there a sense of, we're losing a brother in Christ. It may, maybe he didn't lose his salvation, but he's definitely not one of us. Is there any disappointment? Like, how, how do you think through something like that? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, when I read Love Wins, I mean, I I like probably ninety percent of what he said there, and I, I say the same thing. Um, his other books were great. Um, the, I guess my two, and, and I don't doubt his salvation. I don't know him. I can't doubt yeah. somebody's salvation. I don't know. You know. Um, I guess my two critiques would be one, he does seem to be forming his thinking largely out of a reaction against kind of a, you know, an extreme conservative, abusive, you know, form of evangelicalism. You know, it's kind of like, you mm. know, uh, it, it just feels, and I don't know if he would say that, maybe that's not true. It's just, that's just how it feels. It's like he sets up this kind of worst picture of evangelicalism and said, you know, we can't be that. And so he kind of creates, he just swings a pendulum really far. And, um, and then another thing, I, I think he does set up false dichotomies, you know, and this is where yeah. I, even with the homosexuality thing, you know, you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, I, I've got a gay friend, I'm sick of him being dehumanized, therefore I must be fully affirming and mm. not embrace a traditional ethic. And I just, I just don't think that that either or posture is, is necessary. I, th- I think that we do li- live in those false dichotomies that we don't need to. And so, um, I, I still like, I mean, I think he's a, an amazing thinker, you know, uh, super creative communicator. I've got huge respect for him, but I do, we know when I see him talk, it just, yeah, just like, I don't think he needs to go the places that he's going to accomplish what he's trying to accomplish. Yeah. You know? I think that's what's uh, frustrating to me is I wish more, uh, pastors, biblical thinkers, uh, smart folks, people that aren't a lot smarter than me, uh, we're taking a little bit more chances though. That's, that's the thing. I, I, I agree with you. Sometimes yeah. I think his process is, uh, a little bit as a reaction to other yeah. stuff, but I would love it if more people could feel a little bit more free and, yeah, and point. say those things. And, it, and it, that, why can't there be more? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, that, that's where I even think you are pressing. Like you're pushing yeah. some of the boundaries and why can't we be there? That just like yeah. all these things that you guys have been saying, it really does. It kind of I start seeing Christianity in a different light of the thing that's the easiest is my definition of God is true. Like you know what I mean? That's the yeah. easiest thing. And if you actually go, wait a minute, uh, let me think about hell for a while. Then that takes work. Yeah. It takes yeah. time. It's not a quick fix, which is what our country and our what I am about right now. I want it fast. I want it now. I want it yeah. immediately. Yeah. And and to not wrestle with it, kind of that's that is the scary thing I think where Christianity is headed is people told us this stuff we believe it America 
And then, you know, or so, and, and like, it's like, wait a minute, let, 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 let's think about it a little bit, and 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 just folks, because y'all are right. You bring up some great points, even about talking about hell. Man, I'd never thought about it that way because nobody even questioned it. Oh yeah, hell for sure. Yeah, you you go to hell, and that's you know you didn't believe like me, but so and that's easier. Hey, you didn't believe like me. I told you so. I told you if you'd listen to me and believe like I do, yeah. you'd have made it into heaven. And that's just so crazy. But I want to ask one last question too. I mean, like because honestly, man, you you you're what vice president or president of a Bible college? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, vice president. Yeah, <laughs> vice president. I mean. Where do you land on the, the whole, because we always get this all the time, where do you land on inerrancy of the Bible? And is, is every word literal or, or true, or where, where are you at with that and teaching it? Yeah, I, I believe in inerrancy. Ten seconds, please. Ten, ten, seconds. ten seconds. Super easy question. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think we uh, we don't, that, that term is kind of unhelpful because people mean different things by it. Um, I, I think the Bible is true in what it affirms and the way it affirms, but I think um, that we need to understand the different genres, you know, like when David, you know, when it, uh, you mean when, like NIV or KJV? No, no, like, like no, I'm uh, just kidding. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> For I'm one different. second there, he was like, hey, oh, oh no, that much of a dumb. Oh my God. He wasn't joking. <laughs> Toby was not joking. He's not smart. <laughs> I, I think that, and the whole phrase literal drives me nuts. It drives me Definitely. nuts. You know, like there are tons, most of the Bible, let me just say on the record, is not literal in the sense that people think it is. It's it's filled with poetry. You know, God is, you know, uh, described as a chicken in, you know, uh, what is Psalm 90 or whatever. And Jesus tells parables that, you know, the Good Samaritan is a figment of Jesus's imagination. He doesn't exist. Does that mean it's literal? You know, so I, I think that, you know, we use these terms literal and true and inerrant and, and I think we just need to unpack all that. Just have a just have a discussion and ask what is what is it that we're talking about. But I, I, I like the terms authority and infallibility much much better than inerrancy. The Bible doesn't use the word inerrancy, and I think it has so many modern connotations pumped into it. But yes, yeah. Do I believe that the Bible in its original manuscripts, which we don't have, <laughs> is is true in everything it says in the way it was intended to be said? Yes, I, I believe. That's Wouldn't that be the easiest way to cut through it? Is what did the author mean? And so yeah. especially when you're Talk, yeah. dealing with things like metaphor. In fact, Joey, I meant to tell you back on episode one of the Pastor with yeah. No Answers, you tried to catch Carrie on that because he said, well, if it was a simile, then he would say like or as. And and you no. you didn't you let him <laughs> off the hook, you know, a little bit, but you tried to point it out. But, you know, yeah. sometimes it says Jesus is the Lamb of God. He's not a lamb. Yeah. That's a no, metaphor. I made that, I made no, that yeah, pretty yeah, clear to him. Right, yeah, but you yeah. Didn't, I wish, I mean, I don't think he even understood exactly what you meant, oh, but I was gotcha. so glad. What I'm saying is I'm glad you brought that to us. You said the Lord yeah. is a strong tower. He didn't right. say like, yeah. as he said it, it is. So even yeah. right. so, you can say, "Oh, Song of Solomon is a poetic book, therefore everything is metaphorical." Yeah. No, the writer yeah. was writing a thing, and I, just like I'm speaking right now, I can say, "Joey, you are you are a clown," and I can say, yeah. "Toby, you're like a big dumb rhino." <laughs> so one of those yeah. is a metaphor, and one's a simile. You yeah. can't go back later and say Matt thinks Joey's a clown, but he was being figurative with Toby. You can't say that. Right. 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 Yeah, Isaiah says, uh, or God says through Isaiah, you will nurse at the breast of kings. That's freaky for all kinds of reasons. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't say your future is going to be kind of like this, but I mean, but that's the the thing is, is that I, I would say a large majority of scripture talks like that. You yeah. know, I, I grew up thinking, take the Bible literally unless it must be, you know, figurative. I would say that much of the Bible is figurative and we need, you know, we get into this debate in my college, you know, about like the, the genre of Esther is Esther a parable or history. And my first answer, my answer to that is 
it's it's what the author intended right. it to be. So just li- <laughs> you know? the, the goal should be to figure out what did the author mean, and then exactly. you can ask, is that inspired, and what does inspiration mean secondarily, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Well, Preston, are you the best-looking theologian in the history of the world? <laughs> <laughs> have you been, any, have you been I, in any competitions? I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me bring my wife down here. Can you say that again? Because sometimes she doesn't realize it. <laughs> hey, so tell tell people how they can get a hold of your books and yeah. website and all that stuff. So my book coming out on homosexuality is A People to Be Loved, Why Homosexuality is Not Just an Issue. And then, yeah, if you want to find me, you can find me at my blog called Theology in the Raw. It's also a podcast, and my website is PrestonSprinkle.com. Sweet. I didn't realize you had a podcast. Awesome. And you wrote a book with our old friend Shane Claiborne, didn't you? Uh, He forwarded my book on violence. uh, Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he rocks. Uh, All right, Preston. Well, uh, uh, Preston, you obviously know this. And guys, uh, we always ask our guests to say their favorite Bible verse, send it in, and Preston sent his in, and it is Second Samuel sixteen twenty two. So they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house, and Absalom <laughs> went into his father's concubines in the sight of all of Israel. Thank you for that, Preston. That is a good one. That is a good one, my friend. I think we can all grow from that literally, figuratively, inerrantly. <laughs> infallibility <laughs> I'm gonna get so many phone calls after this thanks guys Appreciate it. <laughs> awesome man all right thanks Preston cool good talking and Preston oh, man. Preston, Preston Sprinkle. Sprinkle I never thought I would like a Preston that much well the problem I'll is I'll tell you what the I dude's a, got a sexy voice I mean good lord he's got a sexy voice well the problem I hey, have you know what is he's actually a really handsome guy yeah. have you seen I, I saw some pictures he's a good looking man I, I always feel uncomfortable around like people that can write, but they're really good looking. Like Devin? Yeah, like Devin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, a problem I have with him is I already have a favorite sprinkle. That'd be Aaron Sprinkle. So yeah, Preston Aaron. Sprinkle ain't nothing to me. Yeah. You don't well, compare. He, I mean, no offense to old Aaron Sprinkle, but Preston Sprinkle is definitely a better looking man. All right. Just uh, whoa, all no right. way. Yeah. Aaron Sprinkle's super hot. Well, he's hot, but not as hot as Preston. Who do you? All right, well, hold on, wait, wait. Who do you guys think is like, uh, like the hottest guy? Like you go, man, that guy is attractive. I'm not attracted to him, maybe, but who do you think is attractive? Like, Brad oh man, Pitt or I could go off on a list, man. Go off on a list. Like, Matt Damon, Matthew McConaughey, Denzel Washington. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey is the one for me. For Matt sure. Damon, Matt McConaughey, Matt McDonald, Matt Carter. That's my list. <laughs> <laughs> All Matts are super hot. I mean, come on, Matt Damon. He's just got that sophisticated sexiness. To well, him. he also has Good like a, a an everyman look. That's just so rugged and strong. I really appreciate yeah. it. Honestly. We need to have a whole a whole episode on us talking about good-looking men, man. Yeah, and their bulges. Excited. All right, let's get to the truth, you damn liars. <laughs> and their what? Their bulges. <laughs> Everybody loves men's bulges. <laughs> and women's Matt, bulges. Do you like Goodwill Hunting? Hey, men and women's bulges are probably what rule the world. Seriously, Matt, do you like Goodwill Hunting? Nope. You don't like that movie? I just said that. I don't care at all about it one way or the other. Let's go to the news. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to talk about pop culture. Matt just went grandpa on you. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up, kid. (laughs) Trying to watch the damn baseball game. Tell me, do you like school ties? Yeah, actually, I do. Brandon... Frazier, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon. All right, moving on, Joey. Let's get to the news. Matt, kick it. Hey, Matt, do you like the Titanic? 
In a world Matt. where Joey will never stop a joke, no matter what, even if it hurts our entire business, the movie, our future, expert. whatever it takes, he will never end a joke just so he can win. Joey, eat shit and die. This is the damn news. <laughs> In with a Toby world where Joey's alternate career was movie critic, but he decided podcasting instead. Joey, Joey you think you'd be a good movie critic? No, not at all. Because you can't write worth a shit. <laughs> All right. Roving reporter Chris Mitchell. This is cool, guys. Uh, Shut up, man. See, that's why you're not a good news uh, reporter, because you just told us your news story was going to be awesome. Why don't you just tell it to us, and then we'll decide. Well, this is is a a roving I've never heard Cronkite say, this shit is going to be awesome. Well, (laughs) I was saying that for Joey because this story is about Joey. Joey. I'm sorry. Then you don't. You still don't need to do that. This story's about you. I'm still thinking about Matt Damon. Go ahead. 800 pound man kicked out of hospital for ordering pizza. <laughs> <laughs> A local pastor in Charleston, South Carolina. What? How's it go after that? <laughs> A pastor with unreal kidney stones. A man who tips the scale at close to 800 pounds says he has nowhere. To go after being kicked out of a hospital weight loss program for ordering pizza, says CNN. Now he rides in the back of an SUV while his father drives the roads of Rhode Island looking for someone who can help. Stephen Asante, 33, said his eating addiction has led him to this place, living in the back of his dad's SUV with nowhere else to go. For the for the past 80 days, Asante was getting the help he needed in a Rhode Island uh, hospital where he had lost 20 pounds. But, order, oh, wow. 20 but ordering pounds, huh? pizza violated the care plan, and the hospital mm-hmm. told him he had to leave. Okay. I was supposed oh, to stay to, leave, to lose all my weight and get down to five and get down to 550 pounds. Oh wow. To get the gastric bypass, uh, that was their plan but it didn't work out. So oh, one thing is what do you guys think about addictions and stuff like that? Like is that a you you believe like he is just addicted to food and let eating me, me, or uh, or is that, so, that is that a little bit of a cop out? Is he just identifying as something to kind of take the the off of no, nah, I'm just going to do what I want to do. Go ahead, let Joey. Let me weigh in. Let me weigh in. Seriously, and you put the weigh in. Don't in. literally weigh in, please. Yeah. Well, with an addiction, I think when someone has an addiction, you put the ripped. dick in addiction. By the way, go ahead. <laughs> I think when when someone has an addiction, I think it's really hard for them to stop. Okay. Okay. Wow, man, that's deep. <laughs> All right. Well, that is so damn deep. Yeah, well, on a serious note, I would like to know what is... Oh, no, 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 whoa, 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 the hell down. Whoa the hell down, Matt. On a serious note, you didn't think I was just being serious? Matt, he was very serious. Yeah. He's a pastor. You son of a bitch, I'll show you serious. He's a pastor, you <laughs> son of a bitch. You don't talk to him that way, you son of a bitch. Okay. Joey, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Joey. Go ahead, Pastor Joey. Matt, no. you're a son of a bitch. You make me sick, you piece of shit. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Go ahead, Pastor Joey. Matt, you're no. a son of a bitch. Shut, <laughs> shut your damn mouth when Pastor Joey's talking, you son of a bitch. I forgot the honor culture here. That's the thing we messed up the most on this podcast. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> He's actually a pastor, and I, have and I just so realized bad. it. I have just realized. <laughs> screwed that the hell up. I have just realized how I've failed 
the honor culture. Oh, of the, we honoring have screwed a, that. A pastor uh, is one of my best hey, friends that's in a, the world. That's a great point. I don't think any pastor who's in the mega church <laughs> culture would ever recommend this podcast because they'd be like, hell it's no, I don't want people here. Pod- no, those two guys <laughs> there's, a, the there's a podcast where all they do is ha- continually <laughs> – Continually assault and attack a pastor, <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> Joe, you are actually a beacon and a you're light the, for what I think the, the future of Christianity. Ever. The future no of Christianity is, is pastor attack. Seriously, well, what pastor? <laughs> what pastor said I'm going to sit on a recorded audio and, get and, and just people just talk shit to me constantly, and tell me how shitty I am. I love it. <laughs> He's a pastor with no answers, and on his other podcasts, is a constant, constant humiliation. Joey is the greatest pastor of, I, in the history of the be world. The most like Jesus of any pastor, really. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> mad props for that. Yeah, imagine any other pastor it's sitting a, with their buddies great. and getting their balls busted like constant. that. That's that has never happened. It's Joey, the primary content a, of this. You're show. breaking new ground, my friend. Well, anyway, okay, Thanks, man. I, I so, do have a thought on the the, okay. the guy. So they. Uh, he lives in the back of an SUV now? Yeah, he does. Okay, that would make a great commercial for Chevy or whoever. Oh, so good. Like 800 pounds. Yeah, towing. We, meanwhile, we have fit yeah. the towing package with 300 horsepower. There's 1,800 uh, feet of it. torque. Where you can get the, you get an 800-pound guy in there, and you can make a great commercial out of that. Yeah, I agree. I, I, he should That way, he would be able to pay to get into another hospital. Absolutely. That's so a Chevy, Chevy Dodge, whoever that Ford, SUV is, he lives in is GMC. That's call a commercial, this dude. All right, I think we got time for one more story. And Matt, this is around your neck of the woods. You probably have heard about this, but also roving reporter Martin Daniel sent this in. All right, have y'all heard about the praying high school coach? No, in your in your area, high school uh, boots praying football coach says Fox News. Oh, this is interesting. Um, Coach Joe Kennedy has been booted from the locker room at Bremerton High School in Washington State. Superintendent Aaron Lavelle placed the longtime coach on administrative leave after he refused to stop his post-game prayers. Effective immediately, pending further district review of your conduct, you are placed on paid administrative leave from your position as an assistant coach, Kennedy, who is a devout Christian, had been under investigation since September after someone complained about his post-game prayers at the 50-yard line. He was directed to cease and desist those prayers back in September, and he was also ordered to avoid, avoid kneeling, bowing his head, or doing anything that remotely could be seen as religious. But he, he, he violated that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically what ended up happening was he started. he's been praying for years, and, oh, yeah. and then people, he would go pray by himself, uh-huh. and then other okay. players would come and walk up and pray with him. And then eventually, I think the starting quarterback or somebody like that, one of the players was an atheist or an agnostic or whatever, and uh, somebody complained about seeing oh, him, and wow. then they felt left out. Yep. And so now he's been let go of his job because he goes, and so do you think he's defending the faith? Joey, you're a pastor. You sin constantly. This guy's standing up for the faith. He goes, no, nah, I'm going to pray no matter what. You think he did the right thing, or should he have stopped? Well, I think that's a very important question. Uh, but what I want to ask, like, Saving Pride Ryan, Come Matt on. Damon was in. Um, this isn't Good funny. Hunting, the talented Mr. Ripley, like, which one of y'all's is? Matt, what do you think? Uh, I, guess, I mean, I don't 
really have a strong way in on that one. I don't really know. I mean, you, you think he's Matt think Damon he's defending in the the faith? I don't. I, I I'm not a fan of the Christian persecution movement that the, like tries to find ways that we're persecuted. Yeah, I don't really like that mentality. Like looking to say what we can find where we're persecuted because it's it's that's uh, that's still micro in my opinion. But but. I I'd have to concede. It makes me a little uncomfortable, but I would have to concede there is a politically correct and some cultural bias in a liberal way, as crazy as it makes me feel like I sound. Oh wow! Against stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Like I don't think it would care. I don't. I yeah. don't think it would garner the same amount of distaste if it was a different religion. I really don't. Yeah. So gotcha. that, that's Joey. Counter, why is this making you so mad? You don't want to talk about that's counter to what I would nor, way, way I would predict that I would normally weigh in. But I, I really feel like there, you know, it, I don't think all religions get treated equally with the the overall in the media. They just don't. I agree with that. Yeah. This this article has pissed Joey off. No, the thing is, is I'm looking forward to the promised land because Priscilla and I we just bought a zoo and uh, we're naming our son Elysium and just the monuments. Men like in our house. What? Um, it just reminds us of like we look up in the sky, we see Interstellar, and mm-hmm. we think of the Martian, and you know it's just we're working on geometry with the kids, and we're right. trying to teach them rounders, like the <laughs> just the circles, and yeah. Um, what else you, know, you got? Keep there, going. Any more? There's not twelve oceans, but we try to tell them oceans twelve. Yeah, you know. I understand just, that. Uh, yeah, uh, some of my my daughters. We're trying to say, look, when it comes to boys, they can't be stuck on you, you know? Yeah. And just, That's I true. know you're Why? born, but you have to have your identity born. in Christ. It's the born identity. <laughs> <laughs> what, so what are you on, IMDb or what? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's it's somewhere. It's IMDb, right? You no, I'm, Wikipedia, I'm, I'm what just, is it? What's the, what site I'm are you I'm very talented. I'm talented and my belly is Ripley. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.